and they come from relationships. Like at the end of the day, people refer people that they trust and that they know can solve somebody else's problem, but they don't refer them to grow your business. They don't refer you a new client to grow your business. They refer you because you can help someone that they're trying to be the hero to. Because when we're helping someone, we get to be the hero. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Stacey. Stacey, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So let us know, who are you and what do you love to do? Who I am, of course, is I teach business owners how to generate referrals naturally. So without manipulation, without incentivizing, and of course, without even asking. It makes me a contrarian. In the business space, when it comes to referrals, and it is a label I'm very comfortable having, I love teaching people how to do things differently that is more comfortable for them, but also it has to work or what's the point. So I've been doing this for about the last 10 years. We're almost at a decade, which is kind of crazy to think. And I'm here in this business going on almost 10 years now because of a business failure that I had prior to this. And then of course, I also had that portfolio career of time spent in corporate America and small businesses as well before striking out on my own. Um, So it's just kind of a little bit of a mixed bag background for me. And I'm out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Very fun. So how did you get into referrals as a thing? Yeah. So I really wish Michelle, I could be like, Oh, this is a great, funny, awesome story where one day I just woke up (laughs) and God was like, yes, you're now going to be brilliant when it comes to referrals. Congratulations. I know it's from the school of hard knocks and they were really hard knocks. I actually ran an HR consulting firm for four years that I had started with big name clients like KPMG, one of their largest accounting firms and Ally Bank, among others. And it wouldn't quite make it to the five-year mark. It would make it to just over four years before I actually had to take down my shingle, wave that white flag of surrender and actually go back to corporate America and went back with a membership badge in the business failure club which is not a club that needs any more members. It's got enough. And so when I went back to corporate America, I was like, no, no, I am supposed to be an entrepreneur, like supposed to be. And I looked back on what went wrong with my first business, like what was successful, what wasn't successful, business development, right? Filling that prospect pipeline is a drumbeat that you have to be willing to beat in a way that works for you. And I was more, oh, I got a job. I got a client, a piece of client work. Let me put my head down and do it. And then I can look up and be like, oh, wait, where's the next client and the next, you know, contract that I'm going to have, which unfortunately is like, it's one of those things, like you say it. And as a business owner, you're like, of course you shouldn't run your business like that. Yet thousands and thousands of business owners run their business like that every day. So when I was back in corporate America and I was planning my escape route, I mean, I started planning my exit strategy while I was sitting in the lobby during the interview process. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this because I need to, but then I'm going to figure out how to get out of there. I got certified as a productivity and business coach while I was back in corporate America. I had someone who I respected that does certification reaches out and she was like, you'd be great at this. And I was like, this could be my escape route. And so I got certified and then I decided to start doing it on the side and then um, started doing it full time and started a business around it. And then 
I needed to grow that coaching practice. And so I was like, well, let's not do what we did with the first business because obviously that wasn't working. And at that point now I had more children and networking every night, which was my sole method of bringing in business wasn't going to be sustainable. There's nothing wrong with networking. It's just, if it's the only thing you're doing, you're kind of in trouble, particularly if you'd rather be at the little league baseball field or the dance recital, right? Than you would sitting at another rubber chicken dinner um, doing networking with people. And so I knew I needed different ways. I started paying attention to referrals. The job in corporate um, actually was in the financial industry, the financial services sector. And I watched them launch financial advisors. I was part of the culture team and the training. And I watched how they did that. And I was, and everything about it was great until I got to the referral piece. And I was like, that is terrible. Like, why would you teach somebody to ask for referrals? Like that feels like, you know, make it a cold call. Like that just sounds awful. And so I was like, there's gotta be a better way. Started my next business productivity business coach. And I was like, let's get some referrals and let's see if we can do it without asking. And I pretty much reverse engineered my way into the strategy that I've been teaching now for almost a decade. And in my first year with that coaching practice, I got 112 referrals that I didn't ask for and didn't have to pay for, didn't have to be cheesy or gimmicky for. And my clients started saying, teach us that. And that's really what started everything. It was like, okay. And so I teaching it to others really forces you fast to like solidify your system and the method so that they can explain it and then implement it. So that's what we started doing. It was one-to-one and then we went to workshops. And then in 2015, we rolled out our first online program. And now we work with business owners all around the world. We're in 11 different countries. Nice, congratulations, it's awesome. So without giving away your secret sauce, of course, what are kind of some of the fundamentals of how to do it? Yeah, you know, what I love telling people about referrals is it's not rocket science, but nobody ever really sits down to truly think about the science behind why referrals happen. And everything I do and everything I teach truly does come from that place of, okay, what's really happening when somebody refers refers you? And if there's this idea that we need to trigger those referrals to happen, how can we do that in a way that we're comfortable with and isn't awkward or uncomfortable for us or for the person on the receiving end? And if you think about it, a lot of people teach the, you've got to ask people or promise to pay them, right? Or offer to pay them for them to refer you. And the reality of this, that relies on you doing the asking, which is the trigger which means you're doing asking all the time. And when you think about it from a psychological perspective, it actually makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Not everybody. That doesn't mean every time you ask, everybody is going to be uncomfortable, but a lot of people, the majority of people will be. And in that exchange, you're actually shortchanging their ability to refer you in the future because you made it awkward. And so when we think about referrals, it's really about reverse engineering into, okay, let's look at the science behind why they're happening. And then let's use that to build the methodology for how we go about generating them. And they come from relationships. Like at the end of the day, people refer people that they trust and that they know can solve somebody else's problem, but they don't refer them to grow your business. They don't refer you a new client to grow your business. They refer you because you can help someone that they're trying to be the hero to. Because when we're helping someone, we get to be the hero. And we're like, oh my gosh, I know exactly who you need to hire. You need to hire Michelle. And so the idea there is that that referral has the relationship piece to it because they trust you, but also they're helping somebody else. So your job is to cultivate the right relationship with your referral sources and obviously identifying who those are, whether they're current or you hope that someone would refer you in the future, identifying the people who can refer you is actually important. And that's part of the methodology, but then also making sure that you're taking care of them in the right way, which is not 
calling them every 32 days and saying, hey, how you doing? And we start to ignore those because we know what you're after or doing your email newsletter or, you know, sending me the same kind of generic card that you don't sign every month and thinking you're keeping in touch. It's not the keeping in touch things. It's not taking people to coffee every month because nobody has time for that. It really is thinking about that relationship and then doing things that are what we call memorable and meaningful that keep you top of mind, but also are things that you can do in mass to a group of people um, throughout the year. And we fall in the five to six to seven outreaches year. So we're not daily, weekly, or even monthly, but what we do matters and what we say when we're doing it. I kind of always refer to the, the referral seeds we plant as our secret sauce. It's not just what you do. It's what you say that really lets people know um, that you appreciate their referrals. And that is ultimately what cements it into their brain to refer you in the future. Nice. I love that. <clears throat> so you've clearly gone over a ton of stuff in that, like what not to do and what to do <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in that realm. So who do you love to serve in sport? Who's your ideal client? Yeah, well, um, so I don't know if this is supposed to be the answer, but it's my favorite answer to give the people who will listen and do what they're told. <laughs> Right. <laughs> those, those are my favorites because those are the ones that get to have success. I don't want to take anybody's money and then they're not have success. There's nothing worse. Um, but really, I do work mostly with what I would call um, service based professionals that are in relationship building type professions. So I do a lot with attorneys, CPAs, consultants, also uh, business coaches or marketing coaches also can be personal coaches as well. Um, I'm also in the real estate space when you think about real estate agents and interior designers and then financial with financial advisors. But if you think about what all of those have in common, there's a big deal of trust with your attorney or your CPA, your interior designer, or your financial advisor to really ultimately provide you what you're looking for. And typically these are not transactional or highly transactional um, types of relationships. They're really relationship-based and they're built on trust and they usually last. And so those are the types of relationships I like the best because they give us the best opportunity to generate referrals. I don't work a lot in the online space, the online course creators, I mean, even though I am one, I don't work a lot in that space or the retail or the hospitality or the medical field, um, but really, really focused on those like high trust situations, relationship building type business owners that actually want referrals but want to do it in a way that honors not only themselves, but the people who are going to refer them to. I love that. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories, of one of your clients. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I love telling this story about Catherine. Catherine is an attorney um, in Maryland, and she started working with me like way, way, way back when in 2016. And the reason why I love telling her story is because I get to tell the story through COVID as well of what referrals look like when you go through, oh, I don't know, a global pandemic. <laughs> and so it's always interesting for people to be like, you know, and it's right now, right? Because everyone's talking about like, is there a recession coming? What's happening? And, you know, and I don't know when this recording will be released and if that'll be behind us or still in front of us or we'll be in the middle of it or it's I don't know, right? Because I'm not an economist. But I think the idea is that referrals are evergreen and they should always be a part of your business strategy, no matter what, regardless of what the economy or the a pandemic is doing. But with Catherine, she came to us and she was generating about 12 referrals a year. So about, you know, three or four, maybe every quarter she'd get referrals and she, which means, okay, great. You're getting some, it means you're doing something right. But in her line of business as an attorney, I was like, oh my gosh, we're leaving so much on the table. There's so much low hanging fruit here. And so we started working together and she started putting into practice my methodology. Now I teach different strategies based on what you need to generate referrals. And so over time, Catherine eventually started implementing many of my strategies. But way back in 2016, it was just like, 
let's take care of your existing referral sources. We took her from 12 referrals a year on average to 40 in her first year. Her second year, we got her to 51. So that was 40 referrals in one year. Then the next year, 51 new referrals that next year. The year after that, um, we got her to 60, I believe it was. Maybe it was 67 or something like that. Then COVID hit in 2020, and she just dropped a little bit. She got like 62. Um, and then she got up to 82 last year in 2021. So, and of course she's on pace to hit her goal and 80 hits the realm of her goal every year. Um, for her, she's like, I don't need more than that for the way that she structures her business um, and for the ones that she closes into clients. But to go from getting 12 a year to ultimately now knowing that every year you're kind of at this, like she's at this benchmark where she's going to probably average 70 to 80 referrals in a year, just implementing some strategies that she enjoys implementing. She's like, I mean, her favorite quote that she always says to me is, I am an attorney, not a salesperson. I don't want to feel like I'm selling. And so like, but like she knows she has to, right, to get clients. And so she's like, I love this method because I get to feel, I get to be myself and not trying to feel like that always hustling salesperson. And so it's great. So watching her, and I have so many clients that are like that. I'm in different industries where they, they come to me and they're getting a dozen or a couple of dozen. And then, you know, they go higher. If someone comes to me, like I'm thinking of um, somebody who came to me with like 40 referrals on average, we set their goal at 80 and their first year they got 312. And then the next year, the COVID year, I was like, okay, let's not expect to break 300 because it's COVID and we don't know what's happening. She got 302. Nice. So, you know, it's just, and that's like unusual, I will be honest, but it's, it happens when people, like I said, do the work, right. And implement um, what the strategies look like. And the big thing is, is making sure the strategies fit you. Like if they feel good, you'll do them, which is why I think that asking for referrals, people are like, that doesn't feel good. So they don't do it or when they do it, they're really bad at it because they are not comfortable doing it. Awesome. I love that. So what stumbling blocks might somebody be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, Stacey, I need you so badly. Yeah, I think the first thing is, is that in theory, when I tell someone that they can generate referrals naturally, they can do it without manipulating. Like we're not going to take advantage of reciprocity. We're not going to ask people for referrals. We're not going to network to know a ton of people. We're not going to be gimmicky. We're not going to you know, incentivize. When I tell people that in theory, it's like, that sounds amazing. But what I'm competing against is that that advice that you have to ask, you have to incentivize, you have to network to know a ton of people. What I'm competing against is that advice that's been around for decades and decades and quite fact for generations. So I always tell folks like you really need to understand why that methodology doesn't work from a scientific perspective so that you can allow yourself to start thinking, yes, this is actually possible. Because there are still times when people are like learning my methodology and they're like, I'm still kind of waiting for you to teach me how to ask. And I'm like, not going to do it. It's not going to happen. And they're like, I just, I can't, I can't believe that this works. Like I can do these things that I enjoy doing and it ultimately works. So the first thing is the mindset gap. It's like being willing to close that just because you've heard it for a decade or two decades or three decades, however long you've been in business, doesn't mean it's the only way. And you've got to be open to it being a little bit different. And then I think the other thing is that things that I see people doing is they don't define stuff correctly. They don't track correctly. They don't understand exactly what they need to be doing at the consistency. They need to be doing it. And they have all these like crazy thoughts. That they're not really quite sure where it came from. They're just, they're just sure like more has to be better. And I'm like, not always. So it's really interesting to watch people who get kind of get started on this journey. And I'm like, let's identify who refers you now. And then I teach a very specific three-step process to do that. And they're like, 
oh my gosh, people I thought were referring me aren't. And these people who are referring me, I haven't talked to them in nine months. I'm like, we need to change that. Right. (laughs) I love that. So I know that our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? Yeah. So real simple, right? Depends on how they like to consume their information, but all of our resources are located on our homepage, which is stacybrownrandall.com. A couple of things I would point you to is we do have a podcast, Roadmap to Grow Your Business. We do have a book, so you can definitely download purchase the book wherever books are sold, like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Um, But if you're really looking to dive in, go to the freebie page, which is stacybrownrandall.com forward slash freebie. It's also the top bar of the website. Just click on freebies. And it actually breaks down our resources by how long you've been in business. Have you been in business for less than two years? It's going to talk about potential referral sources, those people you wish were referring you and an exercise you can do. If you've been in business longer than two years, Um, that's going to give you information about, hey, you probably have some referral sources. Let's talk about what it looks like. Let's calculate some potential results. And there's some great resources there as well. But it really just depends on how long you've been in business. That's why I love that page, because it helps you get right to what you need um, versus like waiting through, let's be honest, all the other content that's out there for it. (laughs) Thanks. I love that. So peeps, you know, we only have those links in the show notes for you. You can also go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog and look for Stacy or referrals and you will undoubtedly find her. Awesome. I love it. So Stacey, I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were that special kind of crazy to become an entrepreneur? Now you said that it was in that corporate moment, but what was really going on for you? Um, I would say, you know what, here's the thing. I grew up surrounded by entrepreneurs. So it wasn't ever like it was a weird thing. Like, what do you mean you're going to be an entrepreneur? Like we didn't have a bunch of company men and women in my family. We had a bunch, bunch of restaurant owners, which is what I refer to as the crazy kind of business owners. And I can say that because at one point <laughs> in my life, I've been the granddaughter and the niece and the sister and the wife of business owners. So I can call them crazy because they are. Um, I've been up close and personal. And so becoming an entrepreneur was never a crazy stretch for me. What was though was figuring out I didn't want to be a restaurant owner. So what did I want to do? How was I going to help people? And it took me graduating from college, getting my master's degree, working a few jobs while I was getting my master's degree to figure out where's my zone of genius? What are people going to pay me for? And then how do I want to build a business around that that'll serve not only my clients, but also the lifestyle I want uh, with our growing family. And so it really, for me, it wasn't ever I questioned being an entrepreneur. It was like, what am I going to do that's going to actually make money and that I can be successful at? And it was figuring those pieces out that took a little bit longer. Well, and that, and that is a big one for a lot of people. <laughs> so I can appreciate that eventually. So on the journey of entrepreneurialism, Oftentimes we make mistakes that we can look back at and go, oh my God, that was hilarious. (laughs) Might not have been so much in the moment, but you know, afterwards, did you have any of those moments that you look back and you go, oh yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. It's like, okay, which ones are appropriate for uh, an audience that is listening, right? No. So, you know, the the one I want to say actually, and it's not like, it's, it's not funny. Ha ha. Like I think when you think about it, but for me, it's so impactful. And it's one of the biggest lessons I learned when my business failed. And that is you have to protect your mindset. There was a, a moment with my first business, that HR consulting firm, where I was applying for an award and someone said to me, well-meaning, wonderful person, but, and did, but had no idea how what she said to me was going to negatively impact me because I wasn't protecting my mindset. 
So I took her words out of context and took them to mean all kinds of things that they didn't mean. And what she said to me was like, oh, Stacy, businesses like ours, they don't win awards. And she didn't mean it as in I couldn't win an award. I mean, at least I don't think she did. That's the story I tell myself. She didn't mean it like that. But I think what she meant is that it was the type of consulting firm that we have and who we were going up against. And those she did some of the same stuff I did. And so she was like, she had applied for that same award. And she was like, they just don't see it the same way as I see other businesses and other ways. Um, and so because the type of business I run is extremely lean and a lot of people who won this particular award always had lots of employees. I think that's ultimately how she meant it. But how I took it is, oh, well, it's okay that sometimes at like two o'clock in the afternoon, I head off to do laundry in the middle of the day and I'm not focused on work. And it's okay that that's impacting my growth. And I just, it didn't protect my mindset to be like, no, this is my objective and this is what I'm after. Being open to stuff, yes, but closed to people deciding that you can't be successful. And I wasn't closed off to the, no, 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 you don't get to tell me I can't be successful. And because I listened and I was open to it, it wasn't really surprising that some of the cracks in my business started to show. And a couple of years later, I was back in corporate America. Aww. Yeah. yeah, that's it's it's hard to see those those moments as um, <laughs> you know, for what they are, because I know when we were doing our pivot, one of my coaches said, oh, don't go into speaking as a training because everybody and their dog is doing that. And I'm like, <laughs> It's a terrible reason to not go into something <laughs> if you're fantastic at it and you can see that, hey, I get they're doing that, but they're not doing it right. Or there's a different way of doing it or there's a better way of doing it. And there was that gap that I could see, but I went, oh, okay, you're right. And off we went to the races. So it is immensely important that that you you know who you are, where you are, <laughs> what you want to be doing when you grow up kind of thing. You Even, know, and I... Yeah. And I always tell people when they ask me for advice, I'm like, here's my thoughts on that, but nothing would make me happier than you to prove me wrong. Cause I just feel like you need to give people the ability to be like, yeah, I can prove you wrong versus taking that advice and be like, okay, Stacy said, I can't right. This person said I can't. So I probably shouldn't. Like, I'm always like, if I think something is, you know, like, oh, okay. The model's different or the pricing is, are you ever going to make any money? Like I will always give my advice, but then I will always caveat it with a, but please, by all means, prove me wrong and then come back and tell me because that's important. Nice. I love that. Sage advice for mentors as well as mentees. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Stacey. I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? You know, the number one thing I would tell for folks who are like, hey, I want to do this referral thing and I want to figure it out. Let me give you the most motivating and empowering step you can take in your business. And that is to actually identify who your current referral sources are. When you see those names in black and white and you're like, well, these are the people who put their reputation on the line and refer me. And then, you know, there's a strategy that you can use to get more referrals from them. It is a very empowering moment in your business. And it doesn't take cost you any money to sit down and identify your own referral sources. We have resources of how to do that on our freebie page. Of course, it's in chapter eight of my book. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because I know I've seen it with the thousands of people. It's like, oh my gosh, these are the people who send me business and I'm ignoring them or not. And so please take a minute and be like, hey, you know what? Let me just write down my last 10 clients and let me figure out where they came from, which ones were referred to me and who was the referral source. Maybe do it for the last couple of years. That's ideal if you want the gold star, but really understand who your referral sources are because it changes everything about you wanting to generate referrals better in the future. Love it. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey. Thanks for having me.
Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and join our Facebook group, Business Ownership Secrets to Scaling. I'd love to connect with you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.